This is E-Retailer Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Now the host of E-Retailer Conversations with Principal of Profits Plus Solutions, here's your host, Tom Shea, and co-host, Bill Kendi. And with that, we are glad that everybody is with us tonight. Thanks for uh, taking some time on your Thursday night to uh, sit in and join the program, listen to the conversation. We like the idea that's been going on for something like seven years, and on a Thursday night at 8 o'clock Eastern, we get together and find someone who is a, an expert with information that can take and help all of our businesses. An individual who's kind to share their time with us, bring some expert uh, opinions and viewpoints and some ideas with the intention being that when we get off the phones together at 9 o'clock tonight, that what we're going to have are people able to go back to their business, try something new, try something different, and above all, find a way to improve the way that their business operates. So with that being said, uh, we're going to start the program tonight. This is um, Thursday, May 19th, 2016. I need to start off with telling you that this is the e-retailer conversation now in our uh, seventh year. And tonight's program, as most every one of the previous ones, is being recorded. It will be on our website, profitsplus.org, in two formats. Uh, the first being an MP3 file for those of you who want to download it to an iPod or onto a card or something to uh, hang on to and listen to at a later point in time. And also available as click and listen for those who are uh, following the link that was sent to them in the email uh, with the invitation to come and participate tonight. During the course of the evening, we are going to be monitoring all of the ProfitsPlus.org emails. So if there are questions that come in during the evening, we will uh, make a point to present them to our guest. And we'll also be watching Facebook because we do get some messages and comments that come in through that way so that if we catch them in time during the uh, during the hour, we would be able to put these questions in front of everybody. Okay. I think that's all the disclaimers and all the necessary stuff. That being said, Bill Kendi, are you there, sir? I am here in the booming metropolis of Lansing, Michigan. In Jay Lansing. Well, I haven't moved for the last, well, I lived in a hole for a while, but that's like, you know, my wife and I are not very adventurous people. I think the biggest move we did was like three and a half miles. But what are you going to do? Hey, you are where you are. That's fine. Not every, and it is what it is. How are you? Moving about. How are you doing? It's, um, we've been busy. Business is good. Uh, Glad to have another day, and, and nice to get to talk to people because I had several folks who I know who are listening tonight that have uh, called during the day and uh, said, oh, here's here's my questions, here's my thoughts. I want to talk about something tonight when I get on the phone call. Great. And, uh, with that being said, there's a couple of folks I want to make sure that I uh, uh, get to say hello to. Uh, let's see. Robin is listening in tonight's program, she had told me, so I want to make sure we say hello to uh, to Robin, and um, let's see, Howard is listening, and uh, also Harold is listening to us tonight, so I want to say hello to all of them for uh, being a part of the program. So, welcome to all those people for coming and joining us. So, um, shall we talk about business? Mr. Bill, I say, shall we talk about business? Well, I... Yeah, well, what do, you, what do you mean, of course, we're going to talk about business? We're going to talk about how to differentiate your business from other businesses, among um, other things. That, of course, I assume is what you're referring to, isn't it, sir? That is so. So let's let's throw a quick uh, piece of music in here, and then let's bring in our uh, our. Oh, 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 oh. Well, you caught me off guard, Tom. Yes, um... There's something about um, Boston, isn't there, in this program? Well, there is. We, yeah, we do have another Boston guest. But this one that we're playing tonight is because our guest uh, has a daughter, and this is her favorite song, and she knows oh. how to play it on the piano. So uh, here's just a little uh, uh, a ditty of this song for her. 
So um, we, we wanted to have a person come and join us tonight who um, is the type of person I think that there's a lot of mystique to what they do, and, and I think a lot of concern because people don't understand uh, what a business coach does or how it could uh, help their business. Uh, and then at the same time, I, I think there's an issue with some of us that, uh, as we spoke with our guest earlier, not sure that they could actually handle it. I don't think there's a lot of folks who just could not do the uh, buckle down and do the necessaries to uh, to be a, a partner. And that, I think that's the right word, a partner with the individual who would be their their, uh, their special uh, person to help them, to support them, to make sure they're asked all the right questions and questions things so that what makes our business become all the better. So that being said, um, our guest tonight coming to us from Growth Strategy Partners is Chris DeCenzo. Chris, are you there? I am here, Tom. Thank you. And, uh, and while your email does say Christopher, you do go by Chris. As, as you usually hear, it's your, it's your parents that call you Christopher. Everyone else is Chris. And kind of like that radio commercial, when they say your middle name, then you know you're in trouble. In big trouble, exactly. Okay, all right. So we, we're not going to ask you for that. So I think to uh, start our conversation tonight, I would say the elephant in the room is simply the idea of a person who does what you do questioning people, making them think about their business. And for a, a generic and overview title for that, or is business coach acceptable? Definitely. That, that's one term that's, that we've been uh, you know, thrown at, yes. Okay. Any other terms? I can't, I can't say them on the radio, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So there have been times where, but at the same point, when things go well, there's other words that people use and comments that people make. Consultant, advisor, you know, coach. Those are those are the three that usually that we hear. And then thank you. And uh, wow, I'm we, making we more money. Thank you. Yes, yes. Okay. So with that situation, uh, how do people find you? Um, usually two ways. Um, one, we bug them with phone calls and emails, um, you know, letting people know who we are. And, uh, but often it's, it's through referrals. You know, you, you do, like all of us, we do some good work, and the word, the word is spread. Uh, so we have a lot of people just contacting us saying, I got a challenge, and, you know, can you help us? So two ways. Well, Christian, I think that, um, and I've known you for an awful long time, uh, and you're a man of integrity, and you, you really worked hard to try to develop an opportunity to talk to folks to tell them what they need to do, but unfortunately, small businesses, whether you're one store or eight stores or ten stores, unless you have the money in the pockets to hire a staff to do all this, it's very difficult for an independent uh, small business owner to find the time to just sit down and think. Um, and, you know, uh, they might say, well, geez, I got these guys to do this. But having said that, you're somebody that has been in the business, and this is not a shrill for you. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, this is what can help folks. So, you know, can you kind of talk about the benefits of having independence of eyeballs, if you will, looking at it coming in from a business from the outside and having them say, gee, this is what I'm doing wrong. In the light I see at the end of the tunnel, necessarily uh, a light at the end of the tunnel, it could be the light of a train coming at you. Right? Uh, yes, yes. Um, I mean, if you're getting at um, why... Who finds why you're valuable to have an outside viewpoint, take a look at what you're doing and, and, you know, in your company? You know, we all, so the independent advisor, maybe but another term, you know, third-party set of eyes, right? Third-party set of eyes. I'm not sure of the that language on that. But um, okay. usually, you know, what, what we find with uh, business owners is 
right? All of them really want to get better. They want to improve their performance. Uh, some of them, you know, reach out for help. They ask their accountant or their attorney, you know, like they, they need some, some financial help or legal help. And then when they need business help, they'll look for, you know, a business coach, advisor, or consultant. They usually right. have a hard time trying to find them, which is really usually the first step. First step. Right. You know, and when they find them, and just, again, like the attorney, the accountant, you're going to get that independent or, and or professional uh, expertise. And what right. we do and what other consultants will do is, is provide it from a business perspective. I've used the term we're the PhD in, in running a business because of what we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and getting that, that independent assessment, um, I would say, you know, 95-plus percent of the time we're providing insights to owners that things they didn't know about. And, mm-hmm. and this, this five, six, whatever percent of the time that the owners are actually looking for confirmation of what they're doing, and we provide that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the best comment I heard uh, from one of our clients, and this was actually a, a Harvard grad, so it was actually fairly smart and had a good business, was I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that's where we come into play. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Tom? I mean, you're a numbers guy. Um, don't you think that it's important for somebody to come in and take a look at, you know, I think you wrote a book called If You Know the Numbers, right? Uh, and, you know, was, somebody... I was going to ask the question a- about, though, I mean, Bill, you had to go, I was going to ask the question, though, because you mentioned the accountant and you mentioned the lawyer. Uh, I would want to ask Chris from the standpoint of what is it that you bring to the table that the lawyer or accountant can't bring to the table or does not bring? Good question. Good question. Um, so outside of the you know the financial, without ex- expanding what the accountants and, and attorneys do, you know, we're looking at, let's, take, let's talk about the big picture, which is the, the plan or the strategy to grow it. Uh, mm-hmm. How are you going to get to that next level of performance? And that gets into which customers you want to target, which markets or geographies if you want to expand, how to hire people, how to identify what the right people are to hire. Uh, we all, you know, have people in our organization, and it's an imperative that these people are high performers, especially when there's a small number of people. So how do you find and hire the right people? And then how do you operationalize that? How do you make them productive? Processes that they do, uh, products you may introduce. Um, So um, that's kind of where we focus our effort. Uh, I'd probably say 80 90% of our our clients, we've got a, a personnel uh, organizational issue, hiring somebody, adding somebody um, to help the organization grow and get some of the weight off the owner or owners because they're, you know, switching their hats all the time. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tom, after we get done with the commercial break, can I, I want to ask Chris a couple of questions. Fair enough. Let's take a quickie right here. This is E-Retailer Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. And this is Eric Taylor And our guest tonight, joining Bill Kendi and I, is Chris DeCenzo. And Chris is the managing partner for an organization called Growth Strategy Partners. And for those who would like to read more, learn more about just exactly what it is that he does, uh, you find them Growth Strategy Partners, all crunched together, dot com for their website. You can write to Chris, and his email is C-D-I-C-E-N-S-O, as in C, Desenzo, at growthstrategypartners.com. And their phone number is eight, uh, excuse me, is 781-837-3207. All right, so that being said, Bill, you had uh, you wanted to continue on your questions with Chris. Yes, if you don't mind, Guy. Um, Chris, you brought up the, you know, Tom, you brought up the thing about accountants and attorneys. And, of course, you know, those are, along with trusted business advisors, are a necessity for any independent business, be it retail or service or whatever. But 
I just first I have a question to ask you, and this is my take on this. Both attorneys and uh, accountants, their primary job is to keep a business owner manager in compliance. Because you're an accountant doesn't mean you know anything about business. Because you're an attorney doesn't mean you know anything about business or like you two guys, be it inventory, be it marketing, be it advertising, be it you know, personnel. It's not their job to know that. Their job for both of those venues or professions is to keep you in compliance. And as far as I'm looking at that, Darren, it seems to me to make some make sense to go outside for those, quote, softer venues. Am I off-base, guys, or on-base? I'd, I'd say, Bill, you're mostly on. I wouldn't, you know, go too far to say, you know, attorneys and accountants don't know business. Obviously, there's many of them that do. And if they don't know sales, they don't know man at wealth. I mean, they know accounting. Right. Their focus is on certain compliance requirements, You're correct. The analogy is this. We're, we're all building our team, sports team, business team, and some of the team members you have as full-time employees in-house. Now, you don't need an attorney full-time usually unless you've got a compliance, uh, heavily compliance you know, process or needs. So you right. get them as you need them. And, you know, you might need someone to help you hire, right, which is or, or do some marketing. Uh, I know, Bill, you do a lot of writing. Tom does a lot of writing. Maybe they need some articles written. They don't have the expertise in-house. They should go outside and get that. Um, I, I, that's the team. And, and we've learned uh, for, for a long time now that, you know, you need that A-team. That's what's going to make a business successful. And, and we all know that. We're all listening and, you know, I, someone made a comment uh, to me a year or so ago, and, you know, we talk about the A, B, C, D performing people. You know, the A players hire A players. The B players hire C and D players because they don't want somebody better than them, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I look at it as a team myself. I bring in some experts that I don't have in my business to do things that we just don't have the expertise to do, and we don't need it full time. So I think it's a good analogy. Mm-hmm. Interesting comment. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you know, I've always told, mentioned to people my observation of what you had just said. You let your best people, as compared to being the owner of the store or the business, if you're a service business, where that owner usually does the hiring of people, if instead they would let their best people do it, that the best people want to hire people who work like they do. But I'm fascinated by your comment mm-hmm. that says the person who is the second-tier employee, and I guess what you're inferring is that's what makes them a second-tier employee, is that they will never hire anyone who is as good as they are. They want something so that they are always top of the heap. Exactly. Exactly. And it's well, not that we all want A players. I mean, man, if we all had, you know, A players or A type personalities in a company, you know, that that could be a different story. But, you know, A's and B's are good, but the C's, you know, and the D's, and we know we all have them, and we accept it because they've been around for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, it's, 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 go, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. They know they're C, C employees, and they're maybe comfortable with it. But I've, we've worked with a lot of them and, and, you know, somewhat kicked them in the whatever uh, and, and help educate and motivate, and they can rise up. But they're usually not challenged, you know? It's interesting. I've never heard that. I think that's very interesting, Chris. I've always heard about sharks, labs, slugs, and lions. Okay. And that's, well, that's kind of like, well, I can categorize it by, you know, you got lions, labs, sharks, slugs. It's, you know, it's, it's a different analogy, but, yeah, that's very interesting that, the, you know, the lions do everything in a lions will hire lions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The same we, concept, different, different uh, labor. You know, we try to get the owner, you know, those listening, you know, wh- what are you good at? You know, some most owners are entrepreneurs. They're very good at at uh, selling business development. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. good at the operational side. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so often we're, you know, helping the owner, okay, look, you go to the, go right, go do your sales and marketing thing. Let's get someone else with real operational expertise to run the business or general manager or office manager or whatever. Um, and, 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 and by the way, hire an A player. Don't worry about that person, quote, unquote, being better than you at operations because you're good at sales and marketing, for example. So it's a question of owners being able to be willing to delegate. Um, delegate and um, understand, hey, they're still the owner. And, and right. being the owner doesn't mean you have to be the best at everything. I, I, a quick story, I was talking to an owner, this is a lady, um, and we were talking about all the things that she has to do you know, in her business. And she said, Chris, look, she was pointing to the back of, you know, back on her back. She said, Chris, can't you see the cape? I'm superwoman. I can do anything. And that was the mindset. And until we got her off that concept of, no, you don't, you, why, why would you think you'd have to do everything? Then the stress was reduced and the business started running better because we started dele- she started delegating and letting go. What do you think about that, Chris? That they think not only that they can do everything, but they think they have to be everything. Yeah, that's a better comment. They feel like they have to, and and they know that they can't, but they feel like they have to, and therefore they can't let down their guard. You know, we have conversations with owners that share some of the challenges they're having and things aren't going as well. And then, you know, I say, well, geez, it sounds like you could use some help. Oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And it's that ego, understandably, um, and other things. Um, you know, the, the, we don't get, most consultants don't get uh, owners that have a high ego calling them um, for help. It's those that are, you know, humbler, if you will, and know they need help. Do you find that people who are in our audience tonight are the small business owners, the small retail, small service ones? Do you find a there's quite often a mindset of I've got to put in long hours, I have to put in this much effort, uh, almost like a it's a bragging point. If you have three or four of them together with a, here's how many hours I put in, and no, I put in more hours than you, and it's almost like, oh, my gosh, how is someone going to peak at 60, 70, 80 hours a week as to how much time they put in, and everyone's like, ooh, wow, you're, you're really dedicated to your job. Um, I, I, I don't see it as much. I guess I'd phrase it a different way. Um, I I've, I don't know if I've coined the term or not, but I, I call people that are in this position where they're working so hard, they'd actually like to stop working hard, but they're not sure where to go as being comfortably stuck. Yeah. You know, they're, they're making good money or making enough money that's therefore they're comfortable, but they're stuck because they don't want to be working the 13 hours or whatever it is, you know, a day. But they don't either know how to take that first step to ask for help or a lot of times, and I think we all do it ourselves, geez, I need someone to do whatever. Well, where would I go find it? Geez, I don't even know where I'd go find it. I'm not even sure who I'd ask, so I may as well just stop right there. And they, and they go in a circle and just and stop. So, you know, I guess my, my comment to the owners listening, you know, if you're, if you're stuck with anything, um, the only cost to you is time to ask for help. And I'd start with your accountant or your attorney or peer CEOs that you know and say, hey, do you know someone that's built a good website or do you know someone that's helped hire? Um, the conversations are free. And that's usually where I find the owners get stuck is they, they don't know where to go. And, and we all get stuck with it. Uh, I've had troubles trying to find the right resource and, if it wasn't for Dr. Google, you know, I'd, I'd be stuck at times, too. I have to ask you a question. Do you find that um, when I was on the road doing some of the kind of stuff you were doing, 
Uh, I found that a lot of business owners, regardless of whether they're male or female, uh, they have a perception of they're there to take care of their family and to make sure that they're financial and their employees and run their successful business and build it if possible. But when I talk to their spouses, be they male or female, their biggest concern was, I want my husband to be home for the Little League baseball game or the dance recital or my wife to be home for this or that. Do you find that people get so wrapped up in their business that it becomes almost an extension of their life to the expense of their real personal life? Uh, the word I've actually, the answer is yes, and the, the word I've actually had applied to it uh, by, uh, I forget the guy's name, but it was a guy that had built 14 businesses, uh, Inc. Magazine related, but it becomes their identity, mm-hmm. right? You know, and, and we work with owners that are thinking of transitioning out of that business, selling it, giving it to family, and mm-hmm. usually our first conversation is the identity piece of what that business means to them. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, uh, I mean, my wife is a teacher. She's got a good friend that's 74 years old that's taught at a community college for 36, 37 years. And she says, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm retiring. That's what I've done all my life is teach. Exactly. exactly. Same concept, right? The same, exact same concept. You know, I, I, mean, uh, I mean, a lot of us in this space, the small business space, you know, it's, it is our life. It is our passion. Uh, you know, for me, and, and I love what I'm doing. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough if I, you know, if I didn't need the money, you know, or if my wife didn't need the money, I'd still do this, maybe at a little slower pace, because I love it. But it, but it's, it becomes who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so part of what, you know, coaches and consultants can do is help owners, you know, figure out where, where's that boundary between mm-hmm. the work side and the life side, and where's the work-life balance. You know, we're fortunate, you know, with, we've got some clients now, you know, six, seven person company retail store, and it's growing so fast, they're having troubles. It's not a need for growth, but how do you manage the growth mm-hmm. and, and put yeah, it into people? That's so, a terrible, terrible problem to face, isn't it? a great time we can talk about that. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great problem, you know, and, and, but yeah. they're still stressed out, and they're, you know, they, they don't want to work 13 hours a day. Um, so whether, you know, you're struggling with growth or struggling to get growth, you know, how is that, how are the processes and how do you, how do you separate, you know, the business from the lifestyle, which is hard at at this, at this size? Yeah. Yet yet I would look at it and tell why you guys will chuckle at the challenge with the issue of a business that's growing. I will tell you that that's the biggest business I have a concern for is the guy who's growing fast. He is more apt to go broke than the one who is growing smalling or the one who says, I'm struggling to make it. Either of the other two will pay closer attention to expenses and what's going on. But when you get the person whose business is growing very rapidly, it's kind of like the person who all of a sudden has a big chunk of dollars in their pocket. Now, what's a big chunk? It could be a person who says, Wow, there's a thousand in my pocket. It can be the person who says it's when I got fifty dollars in my pocket. The the dollar amount's always relative. But when right. you come to the end of a couple of days, you go, "Hey, I had a hundred dollars in my pocket, and my gosh, now I got seven. I go, fine. Tell me where the tell me where the ninety three went. <laughs> Let me think. And they start trying to figure out where the money went. I go, I'm not sure. I you know I can tell you where about sixty is, but I really can't tell you where the ninety three went. And I go, same thing with your business. When you've got you, know, when you're feeling good because you've got money, you've got business growth. There's a natural tendency to get sloppy. Hey, money's rolling, things are good, things are fine. Oops, that's where we can have more of a problem. Great, great point, Tom. And and you know we talk a lot about you know the pace of growth, and you know you have to manage your business accordingly because. It, there's never a 6.5% growth rate per year for 20 years. It, it's, it's zero, it's minus, it's 15 up, and you have to manage accordingly. And too often owners get sometimes stuck in a rut of doing the same thing regardless of what's happening financially. You know? and, and so we talk about a pace. You've got you to watch that pace, and you may need to cut back more at certain times 
and then also invest more at other times. All all becomes relative. It's all it's a, a, exactly relative is is a key piece of this. Hey, so we're at the bottom of the hour. Let's take it uh, bottom of the hour station break here, and uh, tell everyone that we have our guest tonight with us, who is Chris Desenzo. And Chris is the managing partner of a company in the Boston area called Growth Strategy Partners. And as we have piqued your interest with what Chris knows and how he does things, to find him, go online to growth pro, group, excuse me, growthstrategypartners.com. Call them, 781-837-3276. Or Chris's email, C D I C E N S O at growthstrategypartners.com. And with that, we're going to take a uh, another little break here and give Chris a chance to uh, slug down a little bit of water right quick and uh, play another one of his favorites. So let's ask Chris, why why were we listening to that song? <laughs> well, well, first of all, I'm in Boston, so I'm I'm drinking Sam Adams. Let's be clear on that. Um, and oh, you weren't just, drinking water then? Uh, well, maybe. Okay. Uh, uh, it's it's a it's a it's an upbeat song that talks about enjoying your life uh, and and making the best of it and. Um, don't uh, you know? Don't don't die with regrets. So, I kind of like it for a lot of different reasons. Is that kind of like the thing I see people doing on Facebook with this little article that says these are the five or ten or twelve most common regrets that people have who are on their deathbed? <laughs> I don't know. I, I read this one. I think really, you're on your deathbed. And this is what you're thinking about. You're listing your regrets. I mean, isn't that kind of, I mean, all right. So you are dying, but isn't that kind of morbid to be at that point thinking, "Yeah, here's what I missed in life." I don't get it. Tom, I guess that's because they didn't differentiate themselves from anybody else. Don't you think? I, I just, well, you know, if it hadn't happened by the time you're dying, it's like it's not going to happen. Give it up. Move on. Yeah, well, Bill, enjoy the dying, I guess. <laughs> Bill well, hit upon it with the hours. You know, it's I'm a big proponent of balance, okay, in everything we do. I love M&Ms, okay. You know, I've got to balance the amount of M&Ms that I have. Uh, we got to balance how much work we could do. I could work 24 hours a day and never get everything done, right? Um so that song somewhat connects to that, but it's it's that balance of work-life balance, family, health, you know, uh, hobbies, um, and that's that to me is a perspective which I think is great with, you know, the small business owner, you know, compared to the the for-profit company or public company where they're driving you know earnings per share. Uh, the owners here can decide, right. you know, somewhat decide, you know, how much to invest and how hard to work. Uh, okay. We had a, well, we to had that a, point. Yep, go ahead. We, we've got a person. We, we have a, we had a, a really good question you and I had discussed earlier. 
And um, one of the items uh, was, as this person was uh, asking you and I questions, saying that he says, I, I want to know this one. He says, uh, he told us, he says, I have a dollar amount. And, um, and with this dollar amount, he says that I am allocating for, and he used the word marketing. Uh, he is a retailer. He has uh, a number of locations. And he's asking the, the question to you as a business coach, how would you allocate the money? And, and the, uh, to marketing. And what, did you say he had a certain number of stores? Yeah. You know, this person has high single digits. I'm, I'm trying to dance around you. I always, I always promise yep. people, if you send them questions, I, I will tell them who you are, where you're located. So we're talking high single digit number of stores. That means somewhere nine or less. Okay. But okay, so high. So let's say six to nine stores, and this person says I'm going to spend in this ballpark ten, maybe fifteen thousand dollars a month to spend on marketing. Now you and I went through and kind of beat this issue up when we conversed the other day. You want to uh, expand and respond back to this person as to uh, what you and I were th were thinking of? Yeah, sure, and I enjoyed that because. Um, you know, I, I think actually you had uh, the better starting point, Tom, which was asking more questions about, you know, the, the, the stores, the demographics, the size, the location, to get a better understanding of, you know, what we'll talk about as the, as the situation, uh, which I think you were linking into the balance, i.e., you know, not everything is the same. Not every store should necessarily be treated the same way. Yeah. Right? Right. And, and so, and, and I think where I was coming from uh, as an engineer and, and, and very driven towards metrics or uh, uh, performance measures was to understand what's going on with the marketing now, what's working, what's not working, uh, or working less of, what are they doing, what are they not doing. And um, I don't think we actually got an answer because there's a lot of questions that, are, that, are, that need to be answered to, get, to give them that answer. Correct. Well, there, yeah. To get get down to specifics, uh, if I were going to ask this person, one of my questions would be: When we say marketing, uh, I'm going to ask: Is this going to include your traditional television, radio, newspaper, direct mail advertising? Does this include all of your donations, contributions to things? Does this include the high school and college yearbooks, newspapers? Uh, and all the donations that people come knocking on your door for. Is this going to also include uh, everything that you do for social media? Basically, is this the budget for everything? And, and even to some, for some businesses, this includes the person who is hired to put this together. A part of their advertising or marketing budget has to include the salary of the person who does it because the, one of the expectations that you have is that this person is doing things to get good buys uh, from the media, such as if I'm buying out of the traditional media, I'm not buying it as to what I need for the month. I'm buying it on an annual contract where I found in my business very sizable savings by buying it on an annual budget or on an annual basis saying, hey, such and such radio station, I'm going to spend $12,000 with you this year What's the price for a twelve thousand dollar commitment as compared to buying an individual buy that was four or five hundred dollars for a weekend sale? You know, it's kind of like I think how many of us look at when you go to a quickie store, a Seven Eleven, and what you pay to pick up a Coke, and then what you pay for Coke when you walk into a warehouse store and you're going to buy twelve or fifteen. Chris is back. Okay. okay, so we had a little blurb there. We must have a storm somewhere. So the, <laughs> the, the question, that, or way I'm going to answer the man is that, that person, if they're good at buying media for you, should be the person who is making good buys, saving you money, and that salary for that person could be a part of the budget. You know, but I'm going to ask the person with these number of locations, 
that while you may take and say 2% of gross sales of each store goes for the budget, I would want to know things like certain stores need a higher budget, certain stores need a lower budget. Right. Uh, because one store is in an area where there's lots of foot traffic. And then I'd want to ask this person in designing your stores, um, I think about a, a person I know who owns a number of businesses, and the way he does his his stores is that he knows the size the store is going to be, the product that he is going to sell, and now he goes and looks for a location somewhere to put it. The second store may be five miles, it may be 50 miles away, but he's placing the store based upon demographics, the customers. Mm-hmm. Now, other stores have often will do things like Bill lives in Lansing. And a person who opens up a store in Lansing, store number two is going to be in East Lansing. And store number three is going to be, say, in Holt, Michigan, which is another t- town nearby. And they're going to simply, like, domino them here to two to three to four. But as Bill and I ta- had this conversation today, and Bill says, you know, if they do it domino style, what sells in store one might not sell in store two, might not sell in right. store three. You've got three different customer bases. The first guy I mentioned in his scenario, no, it's he puts the store based upon this is the customer I'm looking for. So does that, I think where that where I was going now, or at least the conversation you and I had was, and let's just say the answer is yes to, you know, the, the, all the money is all those things. Um, my assumption, again, uh, gross assumption, is that the person's trying to figure out how to allocate that money. And by definition, marketing is a is a testing process. There is no right answer to marketing. As you talked about the different locations of the stores, it might be different. So now there's probably some base marketing dollars, whether it be the, the radio or print or online, that they're doing that they know works. And then it would be a matter of testing in each of the different locations or groups of locations to figure out what's the right mix, and it could take a year to figure that out or, or longer. Mm-hmm. So, right, and this, I think, Tom, you were jumping off by balance comment, but, you know, you have to handle each thing individually. There is no answer, and we're running into this today. I, I you know, half joked at the beginning, you know, how do we, how do we find people, and, you know, we, we, we call them, and we do have an in-house, uh, you know, sales team. And it's not as effective as it used to be a year ago. And so we're adjusting. We have to adjust our marketing, you know, even here internally, to to deal with what's going on in the environment. All right. Well, guys, I want to apologize to you a minute ago when you started talking about, Tom, you started talking about advertising revenue, what constitutes marketing. For some reason, my phone cut off, so I had to call back in. But I guess, Chris, like, Tom, you were saying that, you know, sure, you need to, like, I happen to live in the greater Lansing, Michigan area. Well, Michigan State University is four miles down the road. Well, East Lansing has a whole different group of people buying stuff than uh, South Lansing has than Sherlock, you know, all of these different areas around. They're all in the different demographics and different buying patterns. And um, so... Yes, you would have to kind of tailor a store. One size doesn't fit all. Um, you know, if it's, it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in. Uh, but, Chris, it's pretty important, and I kind of want to get to this because I know that one of the things that your company does and does well, from what I could see, is your concept of uh, differentiation of one store between another and a unique selling proposition. And my example of a store in East Lansing, which is a lot of very high-end college people and students versus a place in Mason or Charlotte, which is pretty much not, you know, middle-class, suburban kind of people. What are your comments on that, Tom and Chris? Differentiation, um, Bill, is my current pet peeve, if you will, um, because we don't see enough of it. And, you know, I'll, a- I'll ask those listening, I'll ask you two, right, when's the last time you went into a store that you were 
I don't even just say wowed, but that you go, wow, that's that's special. I'm I'm going to go back there. They're different. They're unique. You know, they have distinguishing characteristics. Because um, I don't I don't see it a lot. You know, whether it be a store or on on the phone. And so, but I but my neighbor, you know, yesterday. Uh, you know, who who said, Chris, I'm I'm going to the liquor store, you know, <laughs> you need anything. And I said, no, thanks. And, and I said, you know, you're going to go to the big store, you know, um, you know, right down the street. And he said, no, no, I'm going the one farther away, the smaller one. And I said, why? And he said, you know, I went in there, you know, a couple weeks ago trying to find something, and the owner walked me around for 10 minutes trying to find what I was trying to find. Uh, he didn't find it. He went into the back room. He went out of his way to really help me, and that made an impression on me. And so I'm going to go back and, and buy from him. Mm-hmm. That's that's a distinguishing characteristic. That's a service distinguishing characteristic, you know, from a store perspective, which is, you know, when, when if stores are selling a lot of the same product in, 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 in East Lansing or something, you have similar clothing stores or similar bike stores or auto parts stores, you know, yeah. having a... What's going to? Def- why is someone going to go to store A over store B? Well, well, they do in East Lansing. Let me tell you, they have got the most awesome men's clothing store that exists anywhere. <laughs> oh, really? Absolutely. <laughs> what is that, Thomas? Kozacheks. Uh, well, I, 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 I lived here for almost thirty-five years. I can think of. Something that was better, but Kazachek's right downtown. I do agree with you. Olden oh, Reed, most amazing. Every bit as good as Kazachek's, but yeah, they're good. Yeah, I, mean, I don't wait for an invitation to come. Why? Uh, Why? They send you postcards every so often, invite you to come mm-hmm. in and say, "Hey, here's what's new at the store." There's a sales rep. Uh, he, I know he's at least semi-retired. It's been several years since I've been up there. Uh, that's the only reason why I can't go there. And you know, it's much to the demise of American Express card, I can't come up there. But this uh-huh. guy, I walked in the store. I hadn't been there a couple of years, and you know, he remembered my name, personal talent, and you know, and says, "Oh, you know, new new stuff about it." And the, the way they fit clothes, and mine was a first was occasion of I needed clothes because my luggage had been lost. I, I can have that ready for you right quick. I can take care of you. Uh, you know, stuff like that's amazing. But now, I also think about, uh, Chris, Bill and I had a guest on the show for Christmas, maybe it was two years ago. Bill, do you remember when we had uh, Joseph Michelli? Yes, I do. Yeah, he wrote the Starbucks b- book, and he wrote the yeah. book of uh, Rich Carlson, uh, and Mercedes Benz, and all these great companies. Yeah. So I've read the material, and, and Joseph lives nearby. We Every once in a while, we have a conversation. And as we visit, I've always said, where do you find this stuff? Because if you read his book, it's all like, here was wonderful service at this Starbucks, and here was wonderful service, and they did this at this Starbucks. And I said, I really like the one that's in town near us uh, because the nonprofit that I'm involved with, Starbucks, is very kind. I realize I'm saying I have a favoritism for a chain store. But I said, what ruins it for me is that I read these things in your book about here's all these neat things, and I go, I feel disappointed in mine. I said, and then I read your other books, and I go, no, I just don't have this experience. I do not have those phenomenal experiences that you write about in your books. I think for the most part, the differentiation that people want to think that they have in their business is crap. Well, um yeah, and I, I'm going to suggest, I'm going to go out there and say I don't, most of them don't. Um, and again, I'll go back to maybe they're stuck trying to figure out, well, how would you differentiate it? You know? Well, you know, I'd like to throw something on them, but uh, let's see. Right quick, we got to do uh, last station break of the night, and then we'll, let's, we'll, we'll throw something at them, all right? This is the Profitable Business Network. And this is E-Retailer Conversation for Thursday night, May 19, 2016. Bill Kendi, Chris DeCenzo, and Tom Shea here. When we're at this point of the night discussing differentiation in businesses. And Chris, I put it to my audiences like this. I will ask as a show of hands, 
how many of you think you give great customer service? And see what how many raise their hands. Of which, you know, it's kind of hard to find business owners who will say, "Nah, I give crap." You know, I'm one, I'm one step below Walmart. Yeah, really. You know, they just you just don't see that. And I say, all right, then let me ask you a second question. How many of you have an ongoing, okay, as in continually held, staff education program where you are always teaching people how you want the customer treated and how to do things like special orders and how to answer the telephone and all this kind of stuff? Show of hands, and very few hands go up. And I think then I, here's my follow-up question. How am I to believe you give great customer service if you do not have an ongoing program that teaches great customer service? That's my point. Exactly. So, so let me ask you: How would they figure it out? How would they? How would any owner figure out not just great customer service, but if they've got a, a differentiated offering, unique? selling proposition, however you want to phrase it. Why do people show up at my store? I always got mine from the experience of when I went out and go shopping and go, wow, that was a great experience, or wow, that was a horrible experience. I mean, we all have to go shopping. So you have your experiences and go, who was wow, who was bad, and then also at the same time go, it's like, yeah, so what? You know, no but good, no bad, it was just there. Yeah, but, but now you're the you, owner. So right. But I'm doing this as an owner, and I'm sh- out there. I am shopping, and when I'm when I have the experience, good, bad, or indifferent, to me that was a sign for me to stop, and look at my own business and say, does my business do any of the things that I just experienced? Good. And if it's the yeah, so so or the bad experience, does my business do either of those? If they do, this needs to be the light bulb going on in my head that says change or if well, I see a great uh, experience somewhere to say how easy would it be for me to copy that great experience and bring it into my business Tom that's fine except I think that Chris needs to address this not all customer service is wonderful and that's what differentiates an independent from a from a box, although that, that gap is getting smaller. But, Chris, a differentiation is, you know, it could be that you buy around the inventory of another store. Like if you're in a pet business, you might not be able to, you might look at the health and nutrition aspect of things. Or, you know, if you're in the fishing tackle industry, you might have, you know, a, a, a deep and wide breadth of inventory. So, Chris, you know, I mean, it, it sure, I agree with you, Tom. Customer service is great. Hours of operation, ease of location. But, Chris, what do you think about what people can look at? It doesn't have to be a big deal, does it? I guess where I was going is that um, I would say 99% of the companies we work with, large, medium, and small, do not know what their customer thinks about them. They don't mm-hmm. know. And, and whether it's, you know, and, and so I'll step back to the big picture and differentiation can be there's dozens of characteristics that could differentiate any business. My question is, or, or I guess my point is, you need to be talking to your customer and asking your customer if it's something as simple as we're at the, at the cash register, and again, not everyone walking in the door, you know, but hey, on a 1 to 10 scale, how would you rate my business? And you haven't put out there, I'm not asking you to rate my service, I'm not asking you to rate my products, I'm not asking you to rate the cleanliness, I'm asking you to rate what you're looking for, which I don't know, by the way, but to give me a score, and then you can start peeling it back. And if they're on the phone, if people are calling in, hey, could I ask you three questions? We have a, you know, a, a ten question, actually it's an eight question survey we use with most of our, or ask our clients to ask their customers. When you... So you can learn about what's the why's the customer come to my store? Why why do they come to my business? And what do they like about it? And it is is it convenience? Is it price? Is it quality? Is it service? What is it? I usually ask my clients to ask their customers, not on the consumer side, but on the B two B side, 
who is your best customer? So if they're working for a larger, or if they're working for another corporation, I ask them to ask the corporation, who's your best vendor or best supplier? And then find out why if they don't say it's them, <laughs> you know? So you have to understand, you know, what's the customer want? And, and let's go back to the fact that you're not going to satisfy 100% of your customers, right? But, you know, what is it you're trying to provide and how unique is it? Why would they come to your business, online, brick and mortar, service, whatever? Why do they come to Growth Strategy Partners? And if you understand that better, then you can service it and you can go to those type of customers and not the customers that are buying just on price when you're really not the lowest price provider. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, doesn't it, Tom? Well, I think it all comes into play. Of course, now, you know, going back to the differentiation on products, you know, part of it can also come from, and I'll, go, I'll go back and play the customer service card. If I have people who are good and know how to sell and believe in the products that we have chosen as buyers for our store, they'll move the customer. They'll move the customer to product. The customer walks in and, and you know, let's say we're do talking dog food and they're, Hey, I'm looking for such and such dog food, and it's at every store out there. We don't carry it. Well, I have differentiated myself because I have picked a brand different, and I've chosen to not carry the brand that everybody else has got. But the quality of differentiation comes from when I have to tell the customer, no, I don't have it, can I get the customer to let me explain to them, here's why I'm recommending something else and what I why I do not carry that product. That's just where I see it come from. Yeah. Well, it's, it's understanding. What is your customer? Why is the customer coming to your business? You know, product, mm -hmm. service, price. Um, there's a lot of different ways to differentiate a business. Most of them don't do a good job. And those that do, you know, are more successful because the, the customers keep coming back and they get more customers. So, well, it's like taking what Tom just said, you know, like like taking a look and um, uh, utilizing a niche need. Like Tom, you just said that, you know, this is a, 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 an alternative product that I have that may need the one I have. Uh, but it can be, Tom, or, or Chris, it can be, it doesn't have to be anything huge. It's not like the cheapest, cheapest price in town or, you know, uh, any of that sort of stuff. It can be just we, uh, we like Tom, you just said, we have this specialty product, you know, and, and that's where we go kind of full circle into the advertising loop. Right, guys? Yeah. Correct. Well, with all that being said, we have uh, used up our allotted time for the oh, night. Oh, goodness. But those who are listening tonight probably would like to uh, – either go back and those who are the real workaholics and get their work done and the rest of the world out there says, that's it, I'm tired, I'm going to bed because I'm going to bed in the morning. Tom, they want to hear one sound before they go, don't they? Yes, they do. And with that, let's see. We first better tell everybody, hey, here's who you listen to tonight. His name is Chris DeCenzo. Uh, Chris is a part of Growth Strategy Partners, phone 781 837 Three two seven six in the Baltimore area, uh, Boston area. Uh, email c Desenzo c d i c e n s o at growthstrategypartners.com. Hence the website growthstrategypartners.com to find out more about what all they do and what they can help your business with. Chris, thank you. Appreciate you being there. Tom, Bill, thank you very much. Bill, oh, guys, go out and there, I appreciate else, you Bill. allowing me to talk. You know, nothing else, Bill. Go to go to Cause Checks for me and buy something. <laughs> I'll, I'll say hi. <laughs> they're, they're awesome people. And, yes, here's the favorite sound we all love. Thanks, everybody, for being with us tonight. It's been our pleasure to share fresh ideas and trends from premier small business owners, coaches, and resources. Join Tom Shea and guests again next month for e-retailer conversations right here on PBN.
the Profitable Business Network.